Welcome to Oddcast, tales of teaching and hands-on learning at Hendricks College. Let's start out with just uh, introducing yourself, your name, and your uh, title and department. My name is Brett Hill, and I am Associate Professor of Anthropology and Chair of the Sociology Anthropology Department at Hendricks College. Yeah. When did you join the department? We moved here in 2005. Anne originally was hired uh, to be uh, an anthropology professor, and I started as a visiting assistant professor with the hope that they would create a position for an archaeologist, which after a couple of years they did. I think I started on my tenure track in 2007, maybe 2008, probably 2008. I teach a broad range of courses. Uh, my training is as an archaeologist, and particularly an archaeologist in desert lands. So I'm kind of far from anything like that here. Um, I teach uh, intro to uh, archaeology and physical anthropology, buried cities and lost tribes, uh, anthropological theory, exploring the museum. But I also, uh, this semester, I'm teaching Intro to Environmental Studies, which I'm interested in. So I'm not nearly as, as tightly focused in my teaching as some people probably are. What are some of your, um, some, some of your research topics and other activities here outside of the classroom? Traditionally, my research has been on desert adaptations, how people live in desert environments and then how they end up impacting those environments. It comes as a surprise to many people that desert environments are actually fairly fragile and easily degraded. So historically, that has been what my research has been on. And I've kind of focused on the collapse of ancient complex societies and how they may have caused their own demise. More recently, uh, I have studied the, the Hohokam, a group of, uh, that's an archaeologist term for a group of ancient people in southern Arizona. But as I was doing that research, I was hired to basically to figure out what happened to the Hohokam. And along the way, I got started talking to Native Americans who kind of wanted to know why we kept asking what happened to them. And so I, uh, my research had been redirected in recent years. In fact, I just uh, am publishing a book. It's supposed to come out like next month, I think called From Huhugam to Hohokam, and it's sort of comparing Native American perspectives to archaeologist perspectives of the ancient people of Arizona and how you can, how two different people can ask very different questions that both sort of make sense. How can archaeologists ask what happened to the Hohokam, and Native people can say, why do you keep asking what happened to us? We're still here. So I've kind of gotten a little bit away from traditional field archaeology and more into the realm of heritage and how why these things matter to people. You mentioned that geographically your your emphasis is is a little far flung uh, for from central Arkansas. But have you have you is there an archaeology um, community? In Arkansas, have you, are you plugged in that? Absolutely, and I, I'm a little bit plugged into that because you know, I like to you know, create those kinds of opportunities for students. We go down and uh, do things at Toltec Mounds and places like that in some of the the state parks. I know some of the local archaeologists. There's a strong community here. In fact, it, it's not widely known outside of archaeology, but Arkansas was one of the founding um, entities in the the realm of public archaeology. So it, it, there's a strong program here, and there's some very interesting sites and, and really great people working on it. How 
did you and how does one uh, get interested in, in, in archaeology um, uh, beyond um, uh, growing up in the 80s and, and wanting to be Indiana Jones? <laughs> I actually got interested in archaeology long before Indiana Jones. When I was about 11 years old, my family took a vacation to Chaco Canyon, New Mexico, and we didn't know anything about it. Not many people did know anything about it at that time, but it was something that my dad had heard about, and so we went there. And uh, I, I tell this story to my students every semester, like how I got interested in this, but I still vividly remember coming down this canyon in the middle of the desert and turning around the corner, and there was the, my first ruin, and it was not even a very interesting ruin, but as soon as I saw it, my eyes got big, and I yelled at my dad to stop the car, and I had to run over and touch it. And <clears throat> so I decided that I wanted to be an archaeologist. It wasn't for many years after that the next year we went snorkeling for vacation i decided i want to be a marine biologist <laughs> <laughs> but so it took several years before i kind of made my way back around but i majored in anthropology in college and and um where was college university of colorado okay and did you grow up in the southwest i actually grew up in colorado okay. i went to graduate school in arizona so i lived there for about 14 years so but i spent i was born in new mexico grew up in colorado and went to grad school in arizona so that part of the world and was there a point where you made a you made a decision that you it would be in a classroom in the field and a, or a balance of the two or you is that a is that a an ongoing that is an ongoing thing i before I came to Hendricks, I worked for a place called the Center for Desert Archaeology, which is now known as archaeology Southwest. Uh, I was happy there. We lived in Tucson. It was a great job. I did research all day, every day, and loved it. But we always had an arrangement. My wife and I, uh, and Dr. Goldberg here at Hendricks, she got offered a job. She didn't have a job in Tucson, so we had already always had an agreement that we would go wherever it was best for both of us. And so we decided to come to Hendricks. But that was a, a real transition for me. Uh, you know, I mean, I was... I didn't really envision myself as a teacher, and I don't think that I'm, I'm not a naturally gifted teacher like she is. And so that's it's been kind of a an interesting thing for me to, to do. It's been challenging, but it's also been rewarding in the sense that it kind of got me out of my little microcosm of Southwestern archaeology and made me think about larger issues like like this heritage issue. And why, why should students at Hendricks care what happened to people in Southern Arizona a thousand years ago? And, and certainly doing it. In this environment, far removed from your research interest, but also in the in the smaller, more intimate, was that easier or was that more challenging to to be in a smaller group to try your to try to stretch your your teaching muscles in the classroom? I think it's. I'm not sure it's been easier. In fact, I think it's probably kind of harder as a teacher because in, in a big state school, you know you teach big lecture halls and you have TAs do the grading and stuff like that. And if you interact very much with students, it's probably the more advanced students. So I'm kind of more engaged with students on a day-to-day -day basis than, than I might be in another kind of setting. But that's also a good thing because, you know, I've gotten to, to know students a lot better and really had some interesting opportunities to travel with students. And, and you know, students, you know, it's, it's not just a one-way process. I don't just, you know, you know, fill students' brains with information or something. We actually have relationships, and they teach me, too. So it's been a good thing. Tell me, before we get to your Odyssey professorship uh, right now, tell me about the Odyssey program and archaeology at Hendricks or in the courses that you teach. How, what's your experience in Odyssey 
here uh, prior to the professorship? So prior to the professorship, I have had, I think I had two fairly substantial projects where I took, uh, where I was funded by Odyssey to take students to Europe. And we traveled around France, Italy, Spain, looking at uh, important archaeological sites. In particular, I kind of emphasized the, the rock art um, cave painting sites in, in southwestern France. Um, but we also visited Roman sites and medieval sites and all kinds of things. So those are kind of my two big projects before I got the Odyssey professorship. And which professorship do you hold? I had the Charles Prentice Huff Odyssey professorship. Okay. From 2015 to 2018, so it was just completed in, in May of this year. And what was your what was your sort of the synopsis of your project or your the proposal you put out there? Your big idea. Well, my big idea had a sort of an organic beginning because I wanted to do this heritage research with native people in the Southwest, and I went and talked to them about this while I was on my sabbatical. Talked to them about my book project, and they've kind of had enough of anthropologists and, and they said, you know, well, you know, what's in it for us? And, and which I think is a very fair question. And so I got to thinking about it. What can I, what can I offer them? And, and so it's not just a relationship of me coming out there and studying native Americans and their perspective or something, but how can we make it a more uh, equal sort of partnership? And I started thinking about the resources available to me and the Odyssey professorship is, is one of those. And so I put together an Odyssey professorship to focus on heritage and focus on different people's perspectives on heritage and to engage Hendrix students with Native American students. I work in particular with um, some tribes of the Autumn people and to uh, bring their students here to Arkansas. We've had their students come here and we take them to archaeology sites and historic sites and that kind of thing. We take our students out to Arizona and you know travel around and see their sites with them. And then we've all gone to Washington, D.C. to go to the Smithsonian and the National Museum of the American Indian. Uh, we went to New York, um, not this last May, but I guess May 2017. We traveled with um, with Native Americans and tried to create more of an equal sort of partnership where, where we talked about these things together as, you know, people with different perspectives, but, you know, sort of equal um, you know, rights to explore it and be interested in it. So tell me, what what's it like when you, you – so you've had two fairly significant – um, Odyssey, sorry, Odyssey uh, projects versus just at the sunset of an Odyssey professorship project. What's the difference between these sort of, I mean, the singular thing, yeah. and then you've got a little longer runway um, for on the professorship. What, how, how's that different for you and for the the students? Well, I think it's really different in that you have the opportunity to build on something. Like you described these projects where I would just take students to Europe for, you know, three or four weeks or something. It's a it's a great experience. I don't mean to diminish it at all. We've enjoyed it. But when it's over, it's kind of over and everybody goes their own direction. And there's not a lot of follow-up sometimes. Whereas with the Odyssey professorship, I've had an opportunity to engage with students over a longer span of time, visit different places in different contexts with you know, with our various partners and really develop much more of an ongoing dialogue. And it's been fantastic for me because it's really given me the opportunity to get um, 
you know, to spend time in places, you know, and this may be a little bit of a tangent, but one of the great outcomes of this is that it has opened doors for me that wouldn't have been opened otherwise. If I had just taken students out to Arizona and shown them archaeological sites, that would have been fun, but it wouldn't have been the same kind of experience. Whereas having this partnership with the Tohono O'odham Nation, they have... It's completely changed the way they interact with us, and it's changed the way everyone else interacts with us. When we show up at the Smithsonian, if I show up at the Smithsonian with a group of Hendrix students, which I've done, they treat us one way. They're used to that. If I show up with a group of Hendrix students and Native American students, they treat us kind of differently because they're not used to that. They're used to having a group of Native American students or a group of Hendrix students, but not both. And so having us together has really opened a lot of doors, which has been uh, given me a lot of insights into some of these questions of heritage and how people care about the past in, in different ways. What? Two plan was it very linear improvisational or a mix of the two or it started off pretty linear in design and i think that's sort of natural with any sort of grant proposal you have to demonstrate that this is actually feasible and you know the you know you the the budget that you ask for will pay for it and everything like that but then i think in my experience um, they always end up improvisational because nothing ever goes the way you think <laughs> right. it's going to and uh -huh. so we you know we proposed originally we proposed to work in france uh um, one summer and it turned out that that was going to be a problem because the French government would require us to pay everybody if we spent more than two weeks there and so we didn't have the funds for that so we ended up working in England instead it was a fine thing but you know those kinds of things come up all the time so we've changed course repeatedly with an honesty professorship you have a little bit of flexibility as long as it's for uh, in, in service of the goal is that what you Yes, that's absolutely been my experience. You know, I, I think that they like to know, the, the Odyssey uh, people like to know what I'm doing, but they have never turned me down if I said I wanted to do something different. They just want to know that it still fits with the, the original mission and it's still affordable. As long as I'm achieving the same general goals, they have been quite accommodating. Was there something that you, th you thought, I'm going to have this professorship. It's the, it's the opportunity that I have to share this with students or that students will have to do that that just did not go according to uh, go according to plan. It's easy for someone like me to get really excited about something and then find that students aren't as excited about it as I am and maybe it's because they don't have the background knowledge that I do they don't so, for example, we went out to Arizona and, and some of our Native American hosts out there took us to some really amazing places, but they're amazing because I know about them. And I think sometimes I would look around and feel like, I don't think my students know how amazing this is. And, you know, I think it's that's probably kind of common. And I think, I, you know, I've said this uh, before that I, I kind of feel like as an educator, I think we often sort of operate on faith a little bit that... You know, this is going to be meaningful to somebody sometime in the future, and they won't even remember that it was me. Right. Because it's <laughs> meaningful to you, it, it should it should yeah, mean yeah. something to it, them. You know, it, it will it will shape their lives in interesting ways that I can't predict, and and you know, I shouldn't work myself up too much about whether they're really loving this particular moment. It's still part of their education, and and it will have an effect. This project just sort of sunset. Is there something you look back now and say, you know, I'm I. I'm at a different place teaching or conceiving courses, putting together syllabus or thinking about new courses. I wouldn't have been at if I didn't have this uh, three-year project. Absolutely. You know, I mean, for one thing, this book it would not have been possible. And in no way would it have been the same kind of thing. I think it's just 
infinitely better I, I'm, I'm infinitely better informed and, and more knowledgeable about the subject and because of the experience that I had and my the experience that I had working with Native Americans it's sort of a partnership that just wouldn't have been possible otherwise so it's a it's influenced my research but you know it's also opened lots of doors to me like I'm teaching a course this spring called exploring the museum I've had lots more exposure to lots more interesting ideas and lots more interesting people because of this experience than I would have. So I can, I can, I can be a much better instructor about life in museums than I would have been. Along the way, did you think of something like, well, I really want to, I really want to um, take a look at this, but I've got to get this Odyssey professorship out of the way. And is, will that be a, a future project? Yes, I've been off a lot. I've you know traveled. I've taken several trips with students, and there's a lot of there's a lot of work kind of goes on on behind the scenes. If I take students to England, I'm doing a lot of ar- you know, arranging things. I do all of the the hotels, all the plane tickets, the driving. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into that stuff that does take away from other things. And there are some things that I. I'm kind of looking forward to getting into now. For example, I talked about I'm teaching the environmental studies course for the first time. I really want to get more involved in environmental studies, and I've kind of had to set that aside for a little bit. And now that I kind of, you know, uh, put the the Odyssey professorship to bed for the time being, I can, you know, kind of take up some of those other interests. Do you have a specific uh, project in mind? I do, actually. I've been thinking a lot about it, and I, I, it's hard for me to, to not do anything about it until I get some of these other <laughs> things done. But I've, I spend a lot of time thinking about I want to build, I want to build a Hendrix-wide GIS database because one of the things I have noticed, I teach geographic information science, and it's, it's been kind of frustrating because I've been kind of doing it as a side project, and it's not something you can do on the side. You kind of need to, you know, fully embrace it and become authoritative about it. And um, so uh, I'm anxious to get started with that, to, you know, bring my own skills up to speed, but also to develop opportunities. One of the things I've noticed over the years with this class is that we reinvent the wheel every year. You know, every time the end of the semester comes around and I say, okay, it's you guys turn to, you know, uh, develop your own project. They all have to go out and find their own data and, and start from scratch. And I realized that we have a, a lot of people here, you know, in particular, the people I work with in the natural sciences and in uh, biology, ecology, but also um, in chemistry, you know, they've got lots of data. And, you know, if we didn't have to sort of redesign everything every year, if we could sort of get that in a sort of a centralized, organized way that students could just build on what's happened before instead of having to reinvent it every year, I think that would be a great asset for the college. What would you, what would you say to a, to a faculty peer, maybe a maybe a, an early career faculty member uh, that came to you about advice, either for Odyssey projects uh, with students like you've done before, or maybe they're they've they've been here a couple of years and thinking about you know um, applying for a professorship. What would you tell them? How would you coach them? Well, there are a lot of thing you know little things that you can do to make a grant more uh, a proposal more appealing uh but i think what i might suggest about all this is probably a little bit of an unusual suggestion because a lot of people could tell you how to write a better grant proposal but i think something that i have done which i think is pretty unusual and yet i found to be extremely valuable is using some of those resources for non-hendrick students 
And that was a little bit of a sales pitch that I had to put together to convince the Odyssey um, reviewers, you know, I guess it's the Committee on Faculty or something, um, that this was a good idea because I don't think anyone had ever proposed to spend Odyssey professorship money on non-Hendrick students. And I think, you know, that, that raises fair questions. Is that what we should be doing? And I think that, you know, you know, we shouldn't do it willy-nilly, but in my experience, by making a fairly modest investment in the Native American students who we worked with, completely transformed our relationship and and created so much better of an experience for our students that not only did we help, you know, students from a relatively impoverished community, you know, broaden their horizons, but we also created a much better experience for Hendrix students. And so I think being a little bit more creative about some of those kinds of things and, and, uh, including the other communities. It's very common for Hendrix students, I think, to travel around the world and visit interesting people in faraway places. But oftentimes it's kind of an asymmetrical relationship and the things that we can do to create a little more equality and symmetry, I think would more than repay the, the investment. And going back real quick to the some of the activities that the students do, what did students get one type of Odyssey credit or when they participate or were, were there opportunities for, were there, I guess the, the fashionable term is, were there multiple pathways or on, on ramps, off ramps for, for Odyssey credit? And There were. And, and part of the Odyssey proposal for the professorship is that you have to show a, a plausible pathway for someone to get to satisfy one of their, uh, you know, what is professional leadership development, you know, special projects, global awareness, whatever it is. You have to demonstrate that that's actually conceivable. You have the right number of hours and the right kind of experience. But once it actually happens, I, uh, in you know, in this last go around, the first time I kind of steered everybody through it in a professional leadership development thing. But the, and then after that, I kind of let them pick their own paths because I, I thought that, you know, they don't they don't all necessarily need that. And maybe that's constraining them. Maybe some of them need a different uh, category, you know, uh, global awareness or something. So I I sort of showed them briefly you know you could take this path or you could take this path but it's kind of up to you and but you you know then it kind of puts the onus on them that they have to figure out what are the requirements is it 30 hours for global awareness or 100 hours for professional leadership development they have to figure out how they you know we've got multiple different things happening over a year we have people visiting us we, we're going to arizona we're going to washington dc you have to figure out how to put some combination of those things together to satisfy your your uh, odyssey category but, you know, to kind of give them a little bit more flexibility. And I, I think that they did that. I, I had people, you know, do several different categories. And as far as specific outputs, you mentioned the book. When is that? It has a, a 2019 date. Actually, just literally last night, I sent the final proof back to the press. And they sent me an email this morning saying, okay, we're going to press. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Hang on. Huge process. All right. Well, is there uh, is there anything else that we we didn't talk about that was uh, important for the Odyssey professorship that you had? Uh, the only thing I have to say about the Odyssey professorship is keep doing it. It's a fantastic thing. That's right. <laughs> this is a great message. Uh, we we started before the um, before we were recording with a um, a joke. Do you have any good archaeology jokes? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good anthropology joke. Or archaeology joke. Oh, you know there was there was one I remember. How many archaeologists does it take to change a light bulb? Like 
takes five, one to unscrew it and the other four to, you know, dissect it and try to date it and everything like that. But that's not a very good joke. So I should have <laughs> said that. <laughs> I, can't think of, I can't think of a good joke. <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs>